Second Timothy chapter four. Second Timothy chapter four. I'm so glad that everyone's here this morning. We'll continue to pray for Johnny. Second Timothy chapter four. Beginning in verse six, Paul speaking here, for I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. You know, it was something said yesterday during our prayer meeting that stirred my heart to examine and meditate upon these words of the Apostle Paul even more than I did before. So let me remind you again this morning of the circumstances surrounding Paul when he penned down these words. First of all, he was imprisoned under Nero. Second of all, Paul's facing certain martyrdom. He even says, I am now ready to be offered. He knew he was going to be killed. Thirdly, he had been forsaken, he said in verse 17 or verse 16 of this same chapter. At his first answer, he said he'd been forsaken by many, except the Lord. Paul had a long ministry. One filled with persecutions and trials, afflictions, imprisonment. So many churches, so many people whose lives have been touched by Paul. So many mysteries of the gospel was revealed to Paul. Yet now, Paul finds himself alone, deserted, in a darkened prison facing martyrdom. Yesterday, a dear brother, while we were praying, spoke of a minister, a pastor, who has ministered over 30 to 35 years in this area. Yet today, he lies in a nursing home where no one visits him. And I thought to myself of Paul's words, that Paul was in the same situation, yet more extreme, of course. And yet Paul ministered for years, touched many lives, helped many churches. And yet at the end of his life, Paul finds himself outwardly alone, persecuted in a darkened prison, facing death. Sometimes it's hard to figure out how God does things he does. This man of which our brother spoke yesterday in a nursing home has ministered years in this area, pastored a few churches, 
And yet in his latter days, he's lying alone in the nursing home. I'm not saying that every Christian life ends the same way. But Christ was the same way. How many lives did Christ touch? What did Christ do as he walked amongst men? How many miracles did he perform? How many people did he save physically? How many did he raise from the dead and restore their sight and heal their leprosy? And yet, in his last hour, there was no one. And yet, listen to the words of Paul. I have fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. What an amazing statement. It's a short eulogy Paul gives of himself, in spite of the fact that outwardly it appears as though he failed. And yet for Paul, he'd finished his course. He'd fought his fight. He'd kept the faith. Oh, that I too, in my last days, might have those same assurances in my heart, regardless if I find myself alone or the crowd of people. You see, for Paul, as well as I believe for this minister of whom our brother spoke, it's not about appreciation or applause. It's all about Christ. It's not the numbers or the achievements. It's all about Christ. I'm getting ahead of myself, but Paul's at the end of his course. He's looking back. In verse 6, he says, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. The Apostle Paul would inject the divine truth in the midst of his strong exhortation to Timothy, which was vital for Timothy to understand as well as for us today in regards to any man God might severally choose to use in his service. Namely, that even the great Apostle Paul must go the way of all the earth. I'm ready to be offered my time, the time of my departure at his hand. In light of his charge in verse 1, before God and the Father who liveth forever, uh, Paul says, but I am departing, I'm leaving, I'm ready to leave, I'm ready to go the way of all the earth. This is important for us to understand, especially regarding any man whom God uses or woman in his service. I must go the way of all the earth, so the expression David echoed or rehearsed before his son Solomon. He told Solomon in First Kings, I must go the way of all the earth. Joshua, before Israel, in Joshua 23, said the same thing. I must go the way of all the earth. You see, every good man, regardless of how great he is and how much God has used him, every good man and woman must go the way of all the earth. There is an end to our ministry. The psalmist said in Psalm 39.5, Behold, thou hast made my days as a handbreadth. As a hand breath. And mine age is as nothing before thee. Verily every man at his best state is altogether vanity. 
in comparison to God. All these men, David and Solomon, or David and Joshua and even Paul, all these men would humbly remind those they were leaving behind in this present world that though God by His great mercy and grace had greatly used them, in the end, dearly beloved, that's all we are but men. We're but men. It was to God, Timothy must look. Solomon must look. Israel must look. We must look, not to men. Paul, in these verses, Paul describes himself as one that's departing. That which I've done, the work service I've done, is come to an end. You must not look to Paul or his great feats or his great achievements. You must look to God. And any preacher, any preacher who truly knows and understands his callings has the same desire as John the Baptist. He must increase and I must decrease. It must be God to whom they look for all man is but vanity at his best state. You remember when Christ was on the Mount Transfiguration and Peter, James, and John were there and Christ appeared and Moses and Elijah were with them. And Peter, like so many times, got himself in trouble opening his mouth too soon. He says, oh Lord, I'm so glad we're here. Let us build three tabernacles. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And a voice comes out of heaven and a cloud overcovers them. And the voice said, This is my beloved Son in whom I well please hear ye Him. And when Peter heard that and John and James, they fell and were afraid. And Jesus touched them and they rose. And you know what happened then? It says they lifted up their eyes and saw no man save Jesus only. God would simply say Moses and Elijah might have been great men in my service, but no man say Jesus must you look upon. They saw no man. I love how the Scriptures does that. Before they put Moses and Elijah on the same pedestal with Christ, how dare you, Peter, Peter, make a tabernacle for mortal man with Christ? The Father says, this is my beloved Son. Here he is. And then when they rose, they saw no man more. Save Jesus. Oh, the Word of God is so precious, so wonderful. May God help us to see no man but Jesus. No man but Jesus. Yet I fear in this day and age, I don't, I don't care how great a man is used by God. Pride is still man's greatest enemy. And we can even be humble in our pride. God, give us grace to have the spirit of Paul when he says, I'm ready to be offered in the time of my departure. It is at, man, is at hand. I'm going in the way of all the earth, Timothy. It is to Christ you must look, not to Paul. Beloved, I believe we all agree with this, but God will share his glory with no man. And in Christ's presence, the best of saints and their greatest works fade away in the light of His glory and grace. Paul is fading. 
away in the light of the glory and grace of Christ. I am departing. He must increase, but I must decrease, Paul says. The greatest of saints whom God has of himself chosen to use in his service, beloved, are but earthen vessels, Paul says. We have this treasure, he said in Second Corinthians 4, speaking about preaching the gospel and ministering. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Why? That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of themselves. For I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Three simple phrases Paul uses almost as a eulogy for his life. And these words in verse 7 are spoken as though they were but a passing or in passing, he just, it's, it's like he goes, my departure is hand. I fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up. It's like he doesn't even stop to think for a minute what he's just said. He just says, this is what my life was like. It's described in three ways. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. Henceforth, he just goes right on into eternity. <laughs> Which is in keeping with Paul's statement to the believers at Corinth. Look at Second Corinthians chapter 4. Let me remind you of Paul said to the Corinthians. It's in keeping with Paul's statement, state of mind about this world and what awaits believers after this life. Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 17, Paul says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, I fought a good fight, I finished my course, I've kept the faith, is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding internal weight of glory, he said. While we look not at things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Henceforth there is laid up for me. It's in keeping with Paul's state of mind about this life and eternity. It doesn't matter. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. But it doesn't stop there. I'm looking beyond that. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. You know why we don't fight a good faith? You know why we don't finish our course? You know why we don't keep the faith? Because our focus is settled in this present world and not in eternity. Paul says, look beyond that. Look beyond that. Sure, I fought a good fight. We're looking at that. Sure, I finished my course. We'll look at that. And sure, I've kept the faith. But I did that because my eyes were set on eternity, on the things that are not seen. Set your affections on things above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of the Father. Get your affections in sight off the things of the world, off of the temporary, and look to the things of eternity. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. In all his fighting a good fight, his running his course, his keeping the faith, Paul never lost sight of the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 3. Verse 4. So verse 7 is almost Paul saying something in passing. Yes, he'd fought a good fight. But he says something else too. Not only that, he said, I've finished my course. Beloved, let us not underestimate what the Apostle Paul is saying here. Let us not quickly read over it, though he speaks of it as though in passing. Let us pause for a minute and think about what Paul is saying here. I have finished my course. 
to the church at Corinth, he spoke of running in a race. You remember? We'll look at 1 Corinthians 9 in a minute. He spoke of running in a race, yet now he speaks of one who has finished his course. Look over at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Look what he said to the church at Corinth concerning this course, this race. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 in verse 24. This is what he says. He says, 9.24, Know you not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is tempered in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an, an incorruptible. I therefore so run. See, and here he's running. In Timothy, he's finished important to understand. I there so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. I run with a purpose. I fight with a purpose. It's not just blindly. But I keep under my body and bring it under suggestion, lest by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway, an apostate. Paul, don't you believe in the eternal security of the believer? Yes. Don't you believe that you'll never lose your salvation? Yes. Don't you believe it's all by grace? Yes. But Paul says, I still have a duty and obligation to keep my body under subjection, to run the race, to win the prize. Yet in Second Timothy, he talks about finishing his course. Paul is now standing at the finish line. <laughs> Let me tell you, this, this, given, this has really given me food for thought over the last 24, 48 hours. Paul is standing at the finish line. He's not running anymore. He's standing at the finish line looking back. He's not boasting of any merit of his own, but he's praising Christ who begun a good work in him and performed it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's standing at the finish line looking back. You know, another amazing thing, he says the word finished. I have finished my course. It's almost as Paul is implying that there's some who don't. Listen to me real carefully. There's some who don't. I'm wondering if Paul, when he made this statement, standing at the finish line of his course, looking back, I wonder if Paul remembered all those that fell off by the wayside, all those who began well, started well, professed much, and never made it to the end of the course. Yesterday, my wife and I were reminiscing over the last 40 years of our Christian life, reminiscing and thinking about people we've met along that way, that path, that course, and how many today are not on the course anymore. And I know those that are so doctrinally sedated in a bad way, well, they just weren't saved. That's why they didn't make the course. That's their own fault. Uh, I'm talking about people that we come to know and love. We still do. We feel sorry for them. For they fell by the wayside. Many ending up in a sinful life outside of church. Nothing to do with God. That doesn't leave me callous. Burdens my heart. 
Paul said, I finished it. Because I believe he knew there were many who didn't. Why should the doctrine of God's divine election make us unconcerning and callous towards people who have proven that their profession of faith was nothing but feigned and false. I ponder these things all the time, and, I, and I've been doing it for 40 years, and, and I don't think I'll find an answer until I get to heaven. But some people are so afraid that they're going to make it sound as though God loves somebody he shouldn't, that they're afraid to say anything. Can you follow that train of thought? Well, they're not the elect. God surely don't love them, so it doesn't matter what happens to them. Where do we read in the Scriptures that God is so callous? The rich young man came to Christ, remember? said, oh, what must I do to inherit eternal life? The Lord said, well, go sell all you got and come follow me. He said, oh, no, I can't do that. And he walked away. You know what the Scripture says? And Christ loved him. Oh, explain that one to me, will you? Christ loved him. God is sovereign. He can do whatever He wants to with what we call emotions. But some people seem so afraid to say or claim that God has compassion and pity on people who don't know Him that they're afraid they're going to sin against Him or that we make a great sin. I ain't figured that one out yet. I don't think I will till I get to heaven. Paul, at one point, even talks about those who are the enemy of the cross. You remember that? You know what he says in that statement? I tell you now with even tears. They're the enemies of the cross. He, enemies of the cross would call, cause Paul to weep? Judas betrays Christ with a kiss. What was the Lord's response? Betrays thou a friend with a kiss. I believe some people are so lost in their own understanding and idea of doctrinal truths that they've lost the reality of what that truth is actually about. Paul says, I finished my course because Paul knew that many didn't. Paul asked the Galatians in chapter 5, you did run well. You ran well at first. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? You ran well at first. What what happened? I believe this kind of sentiment, this kind of understanding of what Paul's talking about is essential for us as Christians. For again, I can't explain it in words, especially in words maybe that possibly could be understood, but I know as well that when Christ stood over Jerusalem, the city that's going to crucify him, we've mentioned it oftentimes before, what did Christ say? I would have gathered you under my wings as a hen or chicks, but ye would not. Oh, well, he's talking about they've always... <laughs> On the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Oh, he's talking to his elect. They always try to find some way to... If God is sovereign, cannot 
God do as he chooses and as he wishes to do without man telling him what God's able to do. God's not able to have pity and compassion on those that are not his. Why not? The sun rises on the good and the evil. You know what the Scripture says? Why do we want to contradict Scripture? Why can't we just believe it the way it is? Paul says, I finished my course because many people didn't. Know you not that they which run in a race run all? Paul said in Corinthians. But one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. Are we running that we may obtain? There's a prize to be won. Paul said, I finished my course. By these words, the Apostle Paul would imply that not all who profess to be running in this race finish it. You know, though we may differ in our opinions, even disagree on some non-essential doctrines. I know they don't like that word either, non-essential. There's nothing non-essential doctrine. But there there are certain things that not are not that essential concerning our Christian unity and faith. Beloved, we must and should still highly esteem and respect those who have been running long in this race. You listen to me? Though we differ in opinions, maybe differ in a few understandings of non-essential doctrines, there are a lot of men of God that I've met that I highly respect merely because they've been in the race so long. Are you listening to me? John MacArthur? We even bring it closer to home. Even Pat Horner, we differ in some things. I admire that man. I respect that man. Charles Sheffield, Brother Greg, men and women who've been long in the race, I respect them for that because so many have dropped out, quit, and these and many other keep going in spite of persecutions and afflictions, in spite of troubles and problems. And like the psalmist in seven, the waves overrolling their heads, going through a lot of things. They're still in the fight. They're still in the ministry. They're still preaching Christ. They're still living the Christian life. I highly respect them for that. And yet we have a young generation of Christians who show no respect for men and women who've been long in the race, that they know nothing about, have went through nothing they have went through, know nothing of the trials and persecutions. Paul said, henceforth, let no man trouble me, for I bear the marks of Christ in my body. Sometimes we owe men and women respect merely for staying as long as they have in the fight. We don't have to agree with them with everything, be all on the same page with everything. But, beloved, respect them for what they've been through and what they're doing for the cause of Christ and esteem them highly for their work's sake and for the love for Christ. I have finished my course. The Apostle Paul doesn't speak for anyone else. It was his course he finished. He doesn't speak for anyone else. I finished my course. 
the one God had sovereignly and lovingly chose for him. Why is that important? Because, beloved, too often we're hindered in running in our God-given course because we compare ourselves with others and seek their approval. Paul didn't. If Paul looked at his success or failure by how men treated him, they all forsook him. (laughs) If you try to tell if Christ was victorious or a failure as he walked amongst men, when he looked at Calvary, you'd have to say he's an utter failure. Not even his disciples stuck around. It's sometimes what failure is in the eyes of men is victory in the eyes of Christ. Though other men forsook him, Paul knew that he had victory in Christ. There's a crown waiting for me. I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith regardless of what men think of me. I've kept my eyes on Christ, he says. Oh, we live in such a prideful, arrogant generation of young Christians today who think nothing of these things. If you could just sit for a moment. That man that my brother was speaking about yesterday in the nursing home, the churches he pastored, the sacrifices he went through, the sufferings he experienced. I know him well. I've talked to him many hours especially when I first came to Coleman. I got to thinking yesterday, sitting there with my wife. I wonder what he's thinking up there in that room all by himself. Have I fought in vain? Have I finished my course? Have I kept the faith? If you'd look at the outward appearance with no one visiting him like Paul, He must have failed. No. I've been in the ministry for 35 years. Nowhere near what Paul went through. But believe me, I know the persecutions and the sufferings of being in the ministry for so long. People's disappointments. Accusations. Trials the sufferings, the sacrifices. And I thought about him up there yesterday. And I thought, I do hope that he has the same mind as Paul. You see, sometimes in the Christian life, the outward appearance doesn't look very victorious. But you see, Paul's trying to tell Timothy because he just got finished telling him, but watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work. Listen to these words. Make full proof of thy ministry. Look at that. Watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, work of ministry, uh, uh, the work of evangelists. Make full proof of thy ministry. Why? Because I'm ready to be offered. You can't look to me anymore. My time of departure is at I'm going the way of all the earth, but I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up work. Timothy, have the same mindset. Look beyond the Apostle Paul, who is nothing in the sight of Christ. 
that look to Christ. Because though the others forsake you, He'll give you a crown of righteousness. He'll reward you. Don't look to others for approval. Look to Christ. And Christ alone. In John 21, where they're all lying around the Lord's Supper and the Lord was talking about John tarrying while the others would go on or pass on out of this life. Peter says, hey, John, ask the Lord, who is he talking about? You know what the Lord told Peter? The Lord said, if I will, that he tarry till I come. What is that to you? Follow thou me. You see how the Lord, what the Lord did with Peter? It doesn't matter what I'm going to do with anybody else. What's that to you? You follow me because let me tell you something. Sometimes God's going to have you travel that lonely road by yourself. Husbands, you know what I mean. God lays decisions on you that you've got to bear the load yourself. Yes, we have a partner to share, but you as the head of the family must bear the Lord yourself. I made decisions in my life that cause consequences to those I love. I have to bear that myself. And we cannot unless we look to Christ for His approval. That's all we need. All we need is Christ's approval. Paul, how could you say such a thing when you're in prison? You're darkened in a cold dungeon under Nero, the, the wickedest of all kings. And you know you're going to die and all the men have forsaken you. How could you say such things? For me to live is Christ and to die is gain, Paul said. I have finished my course. Listen to me as I wind this down. Paul says, I've finished my course. Every one of us, listen to me, every one of us as a child of God, every one of us has a God-given course. Now, each one might be different. We'll be led down different paths. Some will have severe trials than others, some less. But there's a divine course that God has given, sovereignly ordained for each one of us as Christians. Not by fate, it's not by chance. It's not of our own will or volition, but by the sovereign wisdom and grace of God. Paul says, I've finished my course. What course? The course God set before me. And beloved, though we know not what lies along this God-given course, we know that every step has been carefully and lovingly laid out by the infinite wisdom, knowledge, and grace of our God. You have to believe that. What good is knowing all the attributes of God and not applying them to our own personal lives? God is infinitely wise. Then why don't we trust His wisdom in guiding our lives? God is infinitely full of knowledge. 
Well, then why don't we trust his knowledge? God is sovereign. He can do all things. Why don't we believe he can do all things in our private lives? Job, in the darkness of his confusion, said, but he knoweth the way I take. I, I have no idea. And I, I, I kind of, I kind of very discomforted with that phrase, well, the only thing we have left to do is pray. I, that always, I'm always, I always, what do you mean the only thing we have left is prayer? That should have been the way we started and the way we kept going. Well, the only thing we can do now is pray. What? You know it the way that I take. Why are you and I then fearful every day? Why are you and I so full of fear and dismay and afraid if we believe in the sovereignty of God and in the infinite wisdom of God? Paul said, I finished my course. He didn't do it in his own power. He did it because of Christ who strengthened him in all things. I can do all things through Christ. Psalm thirty-seven twenty-three said, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. They're ordered by the Lord. The Lord's not going, Hey, uh, Stuart, you, well, you want to go this way? You want to go that? Yeah. Lord, no, no. I'll order your step. You go that way. I, I don't want to. Well, you're going that way anyway. Well, I'm going to try to go this way. You'll still end up right here where I wanted you to go. And sometimes he lets us kind of veer off the path and he just stands there. I'm I'm trying to be a little maybe too uh, funny or humorous now, but it's true. God will never let you and I do our own thing. You know as well as I, there's been times in your life as well as mine when, like Job, I see no way to go. But you know there always appeared a way. Even if it came at the last moment, God's timing is impeccable, isn't it? The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. He delighteth in his way. Boy, I'm glad the Lord led me down this way, because I would have went that way, and oh, man. He said, well, what I did was a mistake. Were you sure it wasn't in God's foreordained plan for you to make a mistake? I still struggle over God's decrees. <laughs> Did God decree Adam to fall? Did he let him fall? Did he allow him to fall? Was it in God's plan? If God was ignorant of it, God ceases to be God. So God knew something about that. And theologians can fight over that all day long. But I'm telling you one thing, God knew about it. Otherwise, he ceases to be God. Did he decree it, ordain it, allow it? It doesn't matter. God knew it. Psalm 121.3, will, he will not suffer thy foot to be moved. Isn't that good? He will not suffer the, he's not going to suffer your foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. He'll not sleep. Oh, God slept on that one. I missed it. No, I'll, I don't slumber. Your foot's not going to move. I believe that every truly born-again child of God who has the Spirit of God dwelling in them, I believe every single one of them will, with Paul, at the end of their lives, be able to say, I've finished 
my course, because if you don't, God failed. And God don't fail. Now, if you're not his, that's a different story. But if you are, he will perfect that which concerneth me. He doeth all things for me. Proverbs 16.9 says, A man's heart devises his ways. And we do, don't we? How many nights have you and I stayed up trying to figure out our life's plans? What am I going to do tomorrow? What's going to happen tomorrow? And I just don't know. I planned it this way. And it just didn't turn out that way. And God threw a wrench in my plans. Yeah, we do that all the time. A heart devises his ways. In our hearts, we're, we're devising our ways all the time. But you know what? You believe in the sovereignty of God? You think God's going to not let you or let you override his sovereign will? A man's heart devises a way, but the Lord directs his steps. You can devise your way all you want to. The Lord's going to direct your steps. Even when I fail and fall, you don't think God knew that we would? Listen to me, and I'm very careful on this so that nobody misunderstands this. Because God is not the author or the origin or the fountain or the cause of sin. We are of our own selves, James says. But you don't think God knew what was going to happen that night when David was on that rooftop and Bathsheba was down there? You don't think God was aware of that? He'd cease to be God if he didn't. Are you saying God allowed that? I didn't say that. I'm saying God didn't cease to be God because David sinned. And David didn't cease to be God's child because David sinned. I say that cautiously so because many people use that for an excuse. Well, David did it. <sighs> no. The Lord directed his steps. I believe with all my heart. I believe with all my heart what Paul's saying about finishing his course. I believe with all my heart every true child of God, in spite of all the failures we've made, of all the mistakes and even sins I believe with all my heart when we come to the to the end of our course that God has given us I believe we like Paul will be able to say I've finished my course not because of anything I've done not because of my merits because Christ strengthened me to it and Christ perfected that which concerneth me we all know Psalms 23 right Lord is my shepherd shall not want he leadeth me beside the still pastures. He maketh me lie down in the green pastures. I mean, beside the still waters, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. <sighs> I've finished my course. Let me close with this one statement and verse. Look over in Hebrews chapter 12. How, how, preacher, how was Paul or we able to finish our God-given course, Hebrews chapter 12. Paul speaks again of running here, a race. Paul, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, speaking of all those heroes of the faith in chapter 11, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, divinely ordained. How do we run it? Looking unto Jesus.
the author and finisher of our faith. You know, they say when someone's in a race, they concentrate on the finish line. They don't concentrate what they're doing at the moment. They don't concentrate about others. The only thing they're focused on is reaching that finish line. And when we look unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith, we'll be able to fight the good fight. We'll be able to finish our course. We'll be able to keep the faith. Why? Because he's the author and finisher of it. Looking unto Jesus. Ever looking unto Jesus as we run this race. That's how Paul could say he finished the course. He was ever looking unto Jesus. May God give us grace to have the same courage and faith and assurance as Paul when he says, I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. And though, like Paul, it might seem like we're journeying down this road alone, let us still keep our eyes on Christ. Even Christ, for a time as he walked amongst men, God denied him all human comfort. When he's praying in the garden, stay here with me while I go stones cast away and pray and pray with me. And he goes and prays and he comes back. And he said, why are you sleeping? The hour I need you the most, you're sleeping. And he goes back and he prays again and God strengthened. You know the story. After a while he comes back and he says, let's rise and go, I'm ready. God denied him all human comfort and said, no, yeah, I, want you, I want you alone, me and you, with your burden. I want you alone, just me and you, with that, so that you might know me. Paul, they look at you at a dark, damp, deep dungeon, forsaken by all men. And Paul, I haven't forsaken you. Those are times God chooses for us that we might learn more of him. Amen? Those are precious times. And God teaches us and prepares us for those times. He doesn't just throw us on us unawaringly or when we're still babes. He teaches that. May God give us grace to believe that. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I can't help but every Sunday to feel so unworthy after preaching thy word because Father no human words could ever could ever do justice to your eternal word Lord I pray the Holy Spirit of God would take your words and write them upon the hearts of your children Lord we are in perilous times men are lovers of themselves boasters proudful Evil men and seducing men are waxing worse and worse with each day. People's turning their ears away from the truth and turning into fables. Lord, let us hear Paul's exhortation to Timothy. And let us learn from Paul to fight the good fight. To finish our course that you've laid for us. God, I pray you help us to keep the faith. And that we too, like Paul, would look on to the things beyond this temporal life into eternity. Oh, dear God, I pray that we would and could always say for us to live as Christ, to die as King. Help us, dear God, we pray, to meditate upon these things until they become part of our lives. May your word triumph through our lives, Father. We ask these things now in Christ's name.